Hey everyone, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Yasmin Ishmael, who is a chief scientist uh, at New Coco, and she is best known for being the head scientist at the beauty company New Coco. Uh, so without any further ado, welcome Yasmin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm so excited to have a scientist on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I generally stick to like you know, fashion art lifestyle. So to have a scientist also be in that field is really, really cool. Yeah, I feel interesting as a scientist to be on a podcast. We're usually shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, well, I'll, I want to just jump right into it. Uh, where were you born and raised? Um, that's a little complicated. So I was born in British Guyana. Okay. Um, I spent about four years there. And then we moved to the Bahamas, so... That's a little interesting, and it makes sense for like the next part of like where I moved. So, how old were you when you moved to the Bahamas? I was four. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I didn't really spend a lot of time in Guyana, but it's still my home. Um, and are you Guyanese? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, my dad was actually part of the political party there, but oh. on the opposition. So, being like. You know, there was a lot of political upheavals and stuff. Like, the party in power made his life a little bit difficult. So it was my mom, actually, who, like, took his resume and applied to be a teacher in the Bahamas. And that's how we went over there. Nice. So, yeah, so I spent about eight years in the Bahamas, which was... I wish I could do as an adult. Yeah, that's like as beautiful. a kid, you don't really realize everything that's in front of you. So um, from there, I moved to Washington D.C. Sorry, I'm going to pause you for a yeah. quick second. In the Bahamas, so you lived there from four to what age? Eight. eight. Uh, no, I lived there for eight years, so twelve. Yes. So four to twelve. Yeah. So and like this might be an incredibly ignorant question, but is it like still regular school at grades one to twelve there? Yeah. So you did what, grade three to... No, I did grade one to... Oh, I guess if you were four, yeah. I don't know where I'm saying grade three. To grade eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we're... Okay, I just picture like school on a beach, like the best place to live on earth. Was that where you were doing? It wasn't on a beach, (laughs) but it was close to a beach. Close? Did you live on a beach or near? Near a beach, for sure. We used to go there like every weekend and do picnics and I don't know. I just became a beach snob because I'm like, oh, this isn't white sand. Uh, And the water's not aquamarine. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't blame you. I feel like I'm even like that and I didn't grow up in the ball. Yeah. So... (laughs) That's amazing. And like, just really quickly before you move on, like what kind of life was it there? And what years roughly is this? Like 90s, 80s, 90s? Uh, 80s to 90s to mid 90s. Yeah. So what kind of life was it there? Um, As a kid, it, you don't really understand the life. Like it was fine. Like, uh, Did people speak English as like a majority language? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the language. Like it's okay. all Commonwealth. Most of right, the Caribbean, I guess right? so. So, and you learned it in school too, right? Yeah. Okay. Even in Guyana, it's all English. Yeah, especially British Guyana. Yeah. So, um, I mean, as a kid, life was fine. Like, you had a car, you had a single family house, you went to school, you had your friends. You know, like, it wasn't like we didn't have like a posh lifestyle or anything, but I mean, it was fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And did you have any siblings at all? Or do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one older brother. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so your dad uh, became, got totally out of politics, became a teacher there. Yeah, except in 1993, uh, Jimmy Carter went back to Guyana to hold free and fair elections. And so now the party my dad was affiliated with won and oh. came into power. So then they they hired him as ambassador to Guyana for Washington, D.C., and so we moved there. Okay, makes yeah. sense. So I feel like, I don't know, I don't know what to call home, but D.C. definitely holds a special place because, like, I spent most of, I feel I spent most of my formative years there. Right. So I finished high school. What, how, what age were you when you moved to D.C.? We're doing a lot of math. There, Sorry, I just I, I know this is so <laughs> annoying, and probably I don't even know if people care, but for for me, I just love to understand exactly like what the timeline is, so that there's just like place markers. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I moved when I was twelve. Okay, so you were what, like grade seven or grade eight? At that point, grade nine. So I never finished grade eight. Oh, okay. Which is funny. Um, and so they wanted me to redo grade eight, and I was like, no. <laughs> not having it like I'll just take yeah that's exam. bullshit like you have to redo it yeah and I was kind of young for like I was 12 and in grade 9 yeah that is young but I'm like no I'll just do an exam and you can place me so I just ended up in grade 9 nice yeah and when when did you start like in grade 9 did you start to take a liking to science no like I I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do in life until a couple years ago oh nice <laughs> So I think it's just natural progression, especially in the States. Like you finish high school and then you go to university. And in university, well, figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. And you have to pick something. And I was like, okay, I kind of like math. I kind of like science. I'll do science. Um, I actually studied genetics, genomics, Ooh, biotech. Cool. And I like it. It's fun. But um, it's interesting. Like it's a big puzzle which I really enjoy and there's a lot to learn like the DNA code is still being figured out um but looking back I'm like well I don't really know why I chose that like <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do after like what what job what the job market was and what I was planning to do like it made sense like if I was going to go to med school but other than that like I had no idea what the market was like so I just kind of did it went through it found a job after in genomics and I worked in that for about 15 years oh no way yeah. okay so you graduated so what uh what university did you go to so for undergrad I went to University of Maryland okay and I had my master's in biotech and that was at Johns Hopkins and where did you uh what company did you work for for 15 years uh, I switched companies a couple times it's natural right. yeah um I don't I don't know if you know Craig Venter but no. So he was the first guy. They sequenced the genome. Like, he came up with um, a cheap way to do it. Mm. So he's been the pioneer of that. So um, I worked at... So I actually started... It's called the Institute for Genomic Research. And his wife at the time was leading that. And then they made an umbrella company, the J. Craig Venter Institute. And then after that... They actually had a divorce, and she left oh, to shit. form her new company. Oh, no. So I went with her. Oh, okay. The Institute for Genome Sciences at the University of Maryland Med School. 
Okay. Yeah. And like, what is your day to day in this position? Because that's so interesting. Are you just like studying DNA? Um, in genomics. Yeah. So we just sequence like mostly what we did was sequence different different scenarios like at those jobs so before I came to Canada at those jobs it was I was working with cancer patients and meningitis um, and babies so you would take those sequences you would sequence their um, cells and kind of see where the mutation is so you do a lot of mapping a lot of computer stuff um, and and you'd look at where the deletions are, the mutations, and then you can study those further. Wow, that's amazing. And sorry, what, what did you graduate your um, undergrad in again? Genomics? Um, yeah, cell biology, molecular genetics. That yeah. is so freaking interesting. And um, so essentially you're doing research, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then, okay, how the hell did you end up in Canada? <laughs> that's even interesting <laughs> and I, I'm curious where like do you what is your passport <laughs> yeah right um actually not too long ago I had a handwritten passport stop are you yeah, serious from Guyana I got stopped in I was in the Middle East and I got stopped in Jordan and Lebanon and, oh my like, gosh questioned and yeah which is good like it is yeah I mean I'm sidetracking but it's good like they can recognize like yeah that's not normal, normal. <laughs> yeah who had handwritten your passport in Guyana uh, I guess whoever did the passport and you just and like it doesn't expire I guess or um now it's expired and now it's digital oh, okay okay you know, but yeah That's I just insane. kept I'm like I don't want to be stuck in the Middle East I just want to go yeah um so because I was in DC as a diplomat or a diplomat visa um you're not you're not considered living on u.s soil oh you're considered living on Guyanese soil or bohemian well we came over as Guyanese. okay so that was our passport okay and that was like our official status right there um so even though how long was i there i I don't know, maybe 13, 15 years. Yeah, and like did all my schooling there. Yeah. I wasn't considered like I ever spent time there. Right. So um, at the time, so I had an H-1B visa, which means you can work um, on that visa up to six years. And after that, oh. you need a green card. Okay. And it's not renewable after six years. So I went to see the lawyer, and he was like, look, you don't have a PhD. Um, you're probably not going to get through for a green card. So we can take your money and apply, but you're probably not going to get approved. Oh, at least they were honest. Yeah. So it was disheartening because it's like, well, where am I going to go? And that's your home. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't know, you know, as a kid – you don't really know Guyana and like I had left the Bahamas so long ago mm-hmm. and like now like I had plus is any of your family in either of those places or is your dad still in DC he's still in DC and your mom too yeah my brother was in Boston so yeah so you know like, I just knew the states yeah so um that was pretty tough for sure yeah and it was my mom who said um Canada is looking for people Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you're young you're educated you're gonna get through like apply 
she's like, I'm going to pay for, like, the application. Like, oh. just apply. Because, like, I was just so, you know, like, you hit a brick wall. And of you're, course. And you're like, what am I going to do? Like, I have to pick up my whole life and start over. I don't know. Like, who do I know in Canada? Yeah. I mean, side note, I have a lot of family here, but, like, I Oh, and did you at the time, too? Or have they since come? I had, I had a lot. There's a lot of family in Toronto, especially. It's just, there's so much that you don't really know them. They're extended family. Right, right. Like cousins and stuff. Yeah. So I applied and I got through. Nice. Like I got my PR card. And um, that's permanent resident, right? Yeah. So you got, you got to become a permanent resident right away. Yeah. And that's because probably your education helped a lot, right? Um, I mean, it took some time. I think it took like a year and a half or something like that. And were you able to work in the States at least during that year and a half period? Or? Yeah. Okay, good. Because um, I knew things were coming to the to the end. So they would have... Um, so what happens is when you're on an H-1B visa, <laughs> um, you get a green card because your work sponsor it. Right. But because at that time, 9-11 happened, mm. that whole system just changed like no one really wanted to do that anymore right um it just became a tougher environment obviously so that's kind of like it's just all these things took place and that's what happened wow and then so you came so you got through sorry to Canada you became a permanent resident yeah and how many years ago was that a 10 wow yeah and did you get a job like right away and stuff or so before I left DC I ran into one of my old bosses just happened like that and he's like oh it's new and I was like oh actually I'm moving to Canada and he's like oh send me your resume I know some people in Montreal oh and I happened to have a phone interview um in Montreal with somebody in Montreal and then he was like when you're you know when you're in Montreal uh call me we'll meet um we'll do the interview and I hadn't planned on going to Montreal. Like, I applied for Toronto. Like, my family, extended family was here. I knew zero people in Montreal. I didn't know anything. Plus, if you think Toronto's cold, Montreal's fucking freezing. Um, yeah, it's warmed up now, though. I guess so. In, <laughs> yeah, the, the first summer. couple of years, I was like, what is this? Especially coming from, like, Bahamas and shit. Oh, yeah, my God. Right. But even, like, Montreal in February, I, like, I just want to cry myself to sleep. It's yeah. too cold. And the ice, like, cannot deal with yeah yeah it's beautiful it's a beautiful place but it's freezing and it's fun yeah it's nice exactly yeah so you went for your interview there yeah and it was pretty like a relaxed interview (laughs) it was like a couple professors and um the director of the genomic center there and he offered me the job the next day Mm. and i was like oh i guess i'm staying in montreal (laughs) So my parents had come over to, like, just help me morally through this and emotionally because at every moment I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And was your dad still working in D.C.? At that point, I think they moved to Venezuela. Oh. Yeah. Like, for work or they just wanted to? Oh, okay. For work, yeah. Okay. Um, Which is also really beautiful. I've never been. I need to go there. Yeah. Um, It's great. 
Beautiful. So, so pretty much like you're having to separate from your parents at this point because like they're just hopping around all these countries and like I, your I, your dad's getting like his green cards and stuff for work and then your mom is because they're married right yeah. but then like you and your brother are kind of fucked. Yeah, well, my brother's <laughs> okay. That... He's like a lawyer. And oh, okay. like, oh, we want you. Oh, so, so he stayed in the states. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So he's fine. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that that is so hard. Like I can't imagine like especially your adult life like I can't imagine me at this age all of a sudden someone coming to me and being like yeah you can't stay here anymore yeah. and I'm like what the fuck really like yeah um I mean Montreal was great but looking back I'm like what was I thinking <laughs> like, how long did you stay there for oh I stayed there for eight years I oh loved my it God. I loved it but it's like I don't know anyone I don't I don't even know where to live I don't know the neighborhoods you know you don't speak French right no, but that's okay with science. That's true. That's yeah. true. Just, like, out on the street, though, is a little hard, like restaurants and stuff. Yeah, but once you try, like, I speak very poorly, and even when I try, they, like, switch to English immediately. Immediately, yeah, yeah, because they're, yeah, like, they're, like poor you poor girl. person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um, funny. So you pick up some stuff, but nice. you can't really practice. Yeah. They just feel bad for you. <laughs> And I know it's so true. And or they're like, "Ugh, who is this like person from?" Or I guess I've always gotten like, as soon as they know that like you're from Toronto, they're like, "Ugh." Like, <laughs> I just assumed they thought I was a U.S. tourist. Oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. Um, so, what were you doing in Montreal? Like, same thing, research and stuff. Yeah, yeah cool. I was doing that. Um, I was I was a research manager for a lab, and we were studying. Um, basically mushrooms and how to make biofuel from them oh my god yeah. biofuel or yeah. body fuel? biofuel so what ex- exactly is that um it's like ethanol basically oh okay so it can just it's a way of taking so canada makes a lot of paper and they so they end up with a lot of paper pulp so this is like a green project for canada specifically like it's oh. funded by genome canada um so they break down paper to sugar Oh, wow. And then if you ferment that, that's ethanol, right? Right, right. So that, that's basically what I worked on for eight years. That's so cool. Yeah. And were you, like, fulfilled by this, or were you... I love that question. I love that question, because this is, like, a great segue of how I got into cosmetics and, and hair care with New Coco. So, I mean, I can look back at it now and tell you, tell, it's high, you know, 2020. Yeah. But, like, these projects I'm telling you I worked on, like, cancer and meningitis in babies and green environment for Canada, like, they sound really amazing. Um, And I'm happy to have worked on them, but I don't see any results. Right. And I don't know where that work went. Like, great, we found these genes. What happened? Mm -hmm. Whose hands are they in? Like, Mm -hmm. where are the papers? What actions have been taken to, like, adjust? Yeah, and, like, we, for the biofuel, I know, um, like, a pharma company took some of that data, but I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. where is it? So, I didn't feel fulfilled. Because it, you didn't know where it was, like, what it was going towards? Yeah, and, like, I... I didn't have that sense of completion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you kind of like wake up one morning and think that, or was it sort of always lingering? 
it was lingering, but I could not have defined that for you until I got into my business. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, you're eight years in in Montreal, and then, like, do you just say you want to move to Toronto finally, or what happens? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, because so Toronto... You just come down with this. There was a few things. Um, the business was doing better, and... Wait, like your business? Yeah. Oh, so did you start it in Montreal? Yeah, Okay, I did. so you need to rewind and tell me okay. that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's also interesting. <laughs> um... So I guess a couple things happened at the same time to kind of just birth the idea. So one, um, the co-founder of the business, now president, CEO, he had gone to Vietnam and, I don't know, he went to a coconut farm and he brought back coconut oil. And we met up and he's like, "Uh, can you do anything with this? And I'm like, okay, this is very random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, no, And no. Did, was he just like a friend of yours? Yeah. Or did, okay. Like we had met a couple years ago through mutual friends, bumped into each other here and there. And then like this had happened. Like now we're meeting up talking about coconut oil. Okay. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's patented. Like it's, you know, super pure. It's really good. Um, a Canadian that's actually over there making it. Um, you know, it was just this really great story behind it. Um, so at the same time, so this was like a couple months I've been, I was struggling like with dry hair. I've always had dry hair. Like it's just genetic, genetic, you know. Um, then I dyed and Gets worse. treated and <laughs> yeah. do all this stuff. And it, it was just really bad because I like length, but I couldn't have that at the time. It was mm. just kind of. You know, everyone has their struggle with their hair. Yeah. Um, so when I started my research, what can I do with coconut oil? Lo and behold, it's like um, hair care. And I was like, okay, that's really obvious. I know this, actually, because in the West Indies, we use it all the time. Like, it's, you use it on everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't, I just hadn't been using it, you know, in it as an adult so I, I was like okay here's the problem like I couldn't find products I liked for my dry damaged hair like honestly I tried a whole bunch like pharmacy salon health food store you know like the whole rigmarole but I didn't find like anything could fix the issue so I was, so this is what like it just was birthed out of sheer frustration like I wanted to make products that worked for me and my type of hair so I made a few so we started with a shampoo conditioner and uh, like a oil serum and so you're taking this coconut like and do you just know like off the top of your head how to make those things no so I did a lot of research okay. so research is my life right yeah and, a lot and of you're people, good at it a lot of people are like but you studied genomics I'm like yeah, but <laughs> I took three years of chemistry if that helps. Also, like in the lab, you make your own stuff all the time. Yeah. So and you also just... have the steps of like you know what step one is. You've, exactly. It's the same. I would imagine formula just applied to a different thing. It's the same method. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, it's just different ingredients, right? Plus, now you have a woman making it who knows what the output should be or the yes. result should be. So. And you can actually physically measure them. Right. And I think that 
that helps us in our story. Like, I'm not just making a product, I'm making a product I believe in and works. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we started with the shampoo, conditioner, and oil serum, uh, which is also a heat protectant. And this is all still this coconut oil base. Exactly. So that's our miracle ingredient. Um, Obviously, we couple it with different botanicals and um, plant-derived ingredients. And um, no no synthetic fragrances. So our coconut fragrance is all natural, natural aromatic. So um, people really like the scent of it. Mm. Yeah. Smells like beach, they say. Mm-hmm. So that had started, I think, so I started working on that like in 2014, but we didn't launch until like end of 2015. Okay. Um, and the, I was still working in genomics at the time, you know, startups, you have to balance a lot of things yeah Um, so at this point sorry really quick did did you kind of come on as like an owner of this company as well yeah okay so they're like we want to create this so you were like a founder exactly okay and like the chief formulator essentially okay cool yeah sorry continue (laughs) um yeah I think one day I was just like um I'm coming to Toronto because it has more opportunities it's like I have a lot of family here um and I wanted to be around that. Like it was a conscious decision. I could have gone to Vancouver as well, but I was like, I know how it feels to start something when you know zero people, mm-hmm. um, you don't know the city. Um, so Toronto was like the conscious choice I made. Like, And were the other here. founders based here too? Um, one was, is um, legal and my co-founder who gave me the coconut oil, he stayed in Montreal for a bit, but now he moved here with his girlfriend. Um, so now three of us are here. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So it's a great, great, we can like actually have team meetings that aren't mm-hmm. virtual anymore. Nice. So you moved here what year? Um, it's 2019 now. Yeah, uh, I know. 2017. I okay, yeah. so two years ago. Yeah. Wow. And like, were you culture shocked at all probably not at this point you moved a lot and been in a lot of different but like or were you I don't know um the only thing is it's harder to chat with people in Toronto I find yeah <laughs> like people are like what are you doing like why are you talking why are you talking I know it's I like, know I'm just like curious like you know why do you like this restaurant or like what's great on the menu <laughs> stuff like that um people are super nice though like every Canadian mm-hmm. so I'm happy for that yeah do you notice the difference between DC and here in the niceness meter absolutely really eh? <laughs> yeah. like if someone bumps into you they say like sorry versus they don't like, like they don't. watch out yeah like, yeah <laughs> that's so funny um so where do you uh work out of like a lab do you have a lab here um I used to have a lab in Montreal um, slash kitchen. <laughs> nice. So, um, but we have a third party lab who will take my formulas and do the the regulatory testing. So I make sure I'm not involved in that because that needs to pass without me. Your influence. Exactly. Um, and so now I have a team I guess so I'll go with my ideas and and they'll formulate based on what I want Mm, yeah perfect which allows me to have more time for research and conferences and I 
I do a lot of with marketing for the labeling and regulatory, so I can I can spread myself a bit more. Otherwise, like if I'm on the lab, that's full time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so was that a different transition? Cause that's probably the first time I guess that you weren't like in that sort of like lab research style place. Yeah. The business is a huge transition. I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur until like, <laughs> yeah, until like, I think a couple of weeks after we launched. Oh my God. And that's when it hit me. Cause things happened. Were you still working at your other job though? Yeah. Okay. And like things just kind of happened, you know, it's like, oh, here's some coconut oil. What can you do with it? Oh, here's what I made. Yeah, hey, these are great. Let's send them for testing. Let's let's make a bottle. Let's design this. Let's fill and produce them. Oh, my God. And like, when it was actually in my hand, like, I was just crying because I was like, oh, my God, like, what just happened? Finally, something full circle and yeah. not just, like, into thin air. Yeah, and that also, like, you work on something and you have it in your hand, right? Yeah. Which, going back to your question of, you know, did your research fulfill you? Well, no, but the business does because now, one, I have the products in my hand and two, like when I meet my my clients and consumers and we can talk about it, that's such a rewarding feeling mm. and a sense of like satisfaction and completion. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So since, so you launched and you said 2015? Yeah. And what sort of happened, like, since then? Like, take me through the years of, like, the business infancy. It was slow at first, and it was really hard, you know, startup life. Yeah. Um, But we made, I guess we made some milestones. Like, first year we were, um, our serum made best product 2016, I want to say, for El Quebec. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we were getting um, media coverage on on Chatelain and the doctors and different shows, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being interviewed for Women's Day and Women's Health and nice. Reader's Digest, and I'm like, this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting, mm-hmm. you know. It's like uh, back in the genomics lab, that was not gonna happen, mm-hmm. you know. Like no one barely recognizes your work and now it was like completely different now yeah like people are looking at me as an expert in hair you know Um, really cool that's awesome and you know I just really enjoyed it plus it's a lot more glamorous Mm -hmm. right like I'm not working with bacteria and fungi every day (laughs) I know so and did you guys immediately um, get distribution? Like, were you in stores or were you just selling online? Right. We're digitally native. So we were selling online, product to consumer. Um, and then all of a sudden, we we got really big in China. Oh. Yeah. I wonder because probably there's a lot of similar dry hair yeah. issues there. It's like that thicker. Like... And they need that hydration. Oh. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So that just kind of boomed and then... And how do you think they even like found your product? Were you guys doing a lot of advertising? We weren't. It was just random. Like someone found us and then we started having discussions and we went to our factory and just kept talking and all of a sudden it just like boomed wow i know that's amazing yeah, meant so to me it's it was i mean it's still a lot of work but i'm really grateful like to have this opportunity to grow mm-hmm. yeah and so i, I imagine probably because you're in what year four mm-hmm. now so that's like prime growth 
Um, but then you're not like brand new anymore either. Yeah. And so um, are you like finding that you're delegating more stuff now? And like, like how many people on your team do you have now? Like total? Um, so we have four founders, um, but now we do delegate and outsource a lot of things like um, my third party lab for my team. Um, they're still in Montreal. So we also have PR and we're picking up people to help us with our website and advertising and marketing. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot more people to work with, but they're not, you know, in our core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but it's nice. It's nice to like meet all these people and work with them and learn what they do. Mm -hmm. Especially for me, because I'm so science background, like this is all really new for me. Yeah. And so do you, are you kind of like always like back in the lab trying to figure out like to improve your formula or are you improving like your product roster? We're adding new products. Okay. So like what? Yeah. (laughs) So we want to do some styling stuff like a volumizer and a styling cream. Um, I actually have a, a mask that's patented. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I want to, put that out soon and China's requested some body care like body lotion and oh. hand cream and they want a baby shampoo too which nice yeah which is fun yeah what's the patent process like is it hell <laughs> it was um my first time going through it um so I looked up previous patents that people had done and I just kind of it, it goes back to research, right? Like you Google stuff and you figure out what's out there. Um, and I wrote it up based on what's unique about it, what's innovative. Um, and then they, it went to the US Patent Trademark Office um, and they, I guess they deny it first and you have to appeal. So then you have to- Is that like standard? Cause yeah. they just want you to appeal it, like prove it that it, I, I've heard it is, or I don't, I don't know how true that is. It's actually, <laughs> honestly, that's kind of a smart strategy because people are probably trying to patent, like, the leaf on their tree outside. Like, people want to patent everything. So I guess if they just auto-decline everything, then they only get, like, serious people and, like, actual legit things that are different. There you go. Yeah, that, that actually makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Huh. So I got on the phone with um, our lawyer and the... I guess the trademark officer uh who happened to be a woman oh which i think worked well for us because i'm like you know this product is for women who are educated by the ingredients they put on their bodies and i think she was engaged in the conversation with me like she really wanted to understand like all the points how i argued for them right and it was a it was just a really great conversation Nice. Um, it was really, ner- I was really nervous, you know, because you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, but she she ended up approving it. Beautiful. Yeah. And that was for the shampoo and conditioner, like the first no, thing? that's just the mask. Oh, the mask that you, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's okay. a detoxifying mask that oh. um, cleanses dirt oil and also particle matter 2.5, so pollution in the air, which is also really popular in China oh, that's awesome. yeah for sure yeah. in China and like probably unfortunately starting to become more mm-hmm. here too because it's the city at the end yeah. of the day 
That's crazy. So you're looking at uh, masks and um, all that stuff. And uh, tell me about like your packaging and all that. Oh, so wait, sorry. Also, um, the name. Did, mm-hmm. w- did the name already exist when you jumped on board? No, it didn't. Okay, how did that so, start? Somehow we just were like, what are other words for coconut? And we fell onto new. So that's NIU. So it's um, Hawaiian Aboriginal for coconut. Oh. And it just sounded nice. Yeah. Yeah, we put a coconut around the cocoa, and that's our logo. That's amazing. And did was that like a team effort that you guys came up with? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, and yeah, sorry, I wanted, what else did I just ask you? I like, I'm like. About the packaging? Yes. Like thank how? you. What do you mean? Like, how did, like, did, so like you got the name, and then was someone like, okay, like you got to like find, figure out a logo and like do packaging. Like, yeah, how did that all so, come about? Um, we know a design company, it's in the family, and they oh, okay. worked with us and put a couple of um, prototypes forward until we liked one of them. Nice. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, our colors were like a lot of gold in there for luxury. <laughs> Excellent. And so are you still online only? We, we are online, but we have um, a couple of, we're on the shelves at a couple of places like Shen Beauty in New York okay um and some a couple of salons in Canada nice yeah um and where are you guys wanting to like expand and grow to um I definitely want to come out with different lines I want to do some zero waste products so conditioner bars shampoo bars maybe some pods like that's where I'm looking at um just to be really innovative and ahead like especially for the environment I think that's really important nice when you say different lines you mean like different brands underneath new cocoa or no just lines within new cocoa oh like so like a bar line yeah and I'm like exactly. okay I see I yeah. see or like I'm working on a scalp health line right now Ooh. yeah because I'm like I don't just want healthy hair. I want a healthy scalp, and I want to give that to the clients. Yeah, and yeah. the winter time here, mm-hmm. it's like dry scalp city. Even if you yeah. don't have a regular dry scalp, like and a lot of people are like they use our shampoo, and they're like, you know, this really helped with my uh, dry scalp, and this helped even mm. ease my eczema. So I'm like, you know, a lot of people have scalp issues, but there's not a lot. Like you don't know a lot of products that really help with that. Right. right. So I I feel like there's a need there and I really want to focus on that. Yeah, and the only thing that I really know of is like head and shoulders, but that's very like almost medical yeah. way. There's nothing that's like I, I've used that the odd time when I have a drier scalp, but mm-hmm. then I still wash my actual hair with like my shampoo because I feel like that head and shoulders is going to dry the shit out of my hair. I so learned like, so much about scalp since this. Like I'm like dry scalp is not the same as dandruff. Oh. Like they're completely different. They're on the opposite side of the spectrum, and a lot of people will use, um, will see flakes and be like, "Oh, I have dandruff," but that's not necessarily the case. Really? So there's going to be like some. We want to put like some education out there as well. So, so what like, is the difference? So with a dry scalp, it's literally just dry skin. You know, like think of your arm. So like you could put like lotion on it, and it would go away. Yeah, it needs to be hydrated. Like you don't have enough sebum coming out. You're probably using a very strong shampoo, so it's really pulling out of all that oil and your natural sebum, and then um, it just gets dried out. Mm. Whereas with dandruff, that's actually caused by a fungus, and what's happening is you're producing too much skin, and it gets really oily. So you have these patches. Usually, it's it's bigger flakes. Um, but it's actually just a lot of skin. 
Right. An excess of skin. Yeah. Oh my god, that's crazy. I know. I didn't know any of this stuff until Yeah, like, you just assume that it's all the same. Yeah. And that's I'm it. like, well, that's why some things work and some things don't. So Interesting. You gotta figure out what it is first before you treat it. Yeah. And what about um so like I know that you have coconut oil in your products mm-hmm. and that's like the secret ingredient, but like what else is it that makes your shampoo and stuff so hydrating? Because that's like the number one thing yeah. in the beauty industry, I yeah. feel like, is like you know, especially with hair, they focus on like hydration. Yeah. But I've used probably everything under the sun. Yeah. I haven't used your products actually. Okay. Um, we have to ship them to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I and I am in a major need for that because I have I'm bleach blonde. I damage mm-hmm. the shit out of my hair. Um, so that's like always my number one thing that I'm looking for. So like, what does make it so different? So a lot of shampoos, they're just too strong. Like they, unfortunately, consumers really like that foam. Right. And that foam is just a lot of excess soap bubbles that it's picked up all your oil, all that dirt, and now it's picking up air because it needs to be filled with something. So all that foam is just empty soap bubbles. Right. Then the more foam, the more cleansing properties, but at some point it's just stripping, right? Mm -hmm. So we use very gentle surfactants is what they're called. So, I mean, even if you use like, we are sulfate-free, but even if you use other sulfate-free um, products, what happens is that they really go after that foam. So we have a low foam formula, so we tell our consumers this. Um, so if you're not used to it, you have to get used to it. It's mm-hmm. totally worth it. Um, and you don't, need, you don't need all those soap bubbles to clean it. It's being cleaned. Right. Um, I feel like that's just like an old school marketing tactic. That's it's like, just what we're used to. Yeah. And we haven't been told differently. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense, right? You're like, oh, something's off with this. Like, this doesn't seem right. It's probably not cleaning, but it is. And then for the conditioner, it's just really creamy and velvety. Um, it's rich in coconut oil. So it's great if you have, I would say, medium thicker hair for girls, women who have thinner hair, finer hair, I recommend a reverse reverse washing. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So no, you do your conditioner first. What? And you leave it on for a couple minutes so it gets those nutrients and then you can use our shampoo because our shampoo isn't like super crazy um, stripping. Right. So it gets rid of the conditioner but it'll also be clean and it wouldn't right. weigh it down. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. I've like yeah. never even thought to, I would assume that like it would literally reverse it. Like once you put your conditioner, then the shampoo would completely like remove all of it. But I guess a little bit of residue will stay and. Well, it'll, yeah, exactly. On the cuticle. And you don't yeah. want it. That's the, and that's the point. Cause you just want a little bit, right? Yeah. You want the nutrients, but you don't want like it to be weighed down. Weighed, yeah. yeah. Usually you finish with a conditioner cause it closes the cuticles, but um, we do pH balance both our shampoo and conditioner. So even if you use the shampoo at the end, your cuticles will close as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And do you guys think you'll do a dry shampoo? I'm like such oh a God. junkie. Yes. How could I forget that? We just launched oh. our dry shampoo. Okay. Like oh my God. That's last a... month. So congrats. I love it because it's an aerosol. I was just bottle. gonna. Add. Oh, aerosol free or aerosol bottle? Free. Oh aerosol no. So is it a spray? So how do you do it? It's a mister. So okay. Um. Yeah, we'll send you one of those, too. Okay. You have to give me a review. Oh, my God. I would love to. Um, so you shake it, and it'll, I guess, activate the bottle. 
and you squeeze it and it'll just mist out. So oh. you're not using butane, isobutane. Alcohol. No alcohol, so no volatile organic compounds. You can breathe it in. Totally oh. green. Um, and organic natural fragrance. That's amazing because I feel like what's on the market currently is either aerosol or um, like a powder or something and I always get aerosol because I'm like I'm not about to like sit here with a salt shaker on my and then it like gets clumpy in different areas and I have to be careful again because my hair is so blonde that it actually will pick up even white powder it will like pick up the white so it's like hard to get it even so aerosol at least you can be even everywhere and then uh, it's not like I don't know yeah. crazy so that's so good to know that like you get the missing part exactly and then, but it's really not yeah. like alcohol and all that stuff and we also put out a refill pack so you just scoop it in into the bottles oh. to reduce plastic waste oh that's good yeah that's amazing and is it all manufactured in Canada yeah oh. in Montreal well Quebec okay yeah that is amazing yeah even like our design work is all Canadian beautiful yeah. And um, so I know you said you wanted to like branch out and do some like bars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you doing any events this year? Um, we'll probably do some trade shows to, you know, have some booths. Uh, we just did a beauty salon um, for TIFF. Uh, I, d- yeah. I saw that Gail actually sent me uh, an invite but there was like four th- that week is like fun but it's also hell because it's like there's 25 events every yeah. single day there's yeah. so many things to go to yeah, and so, I'd committed already to something uh, else okay. <laughs> well we're meeting now so, yes exactly, yes. exactly. Um, yeah so we did a beauty bar there for nice. hair and you can get your hair styled while you pick out your clothes and accessories oh. yeah, and we did a soft launch for the dry shampoo prior to that sweet amazing well thank you so so much for uh coming on the podcast i've never had a scientist so i was so excited and uh what a great sort of way to leap over to i feel like a lot of people want to do beauty but then they don't know the science part and it's really cool to see sort of the reverse happen like it almost found you because of your science Mm -hmm. skill and then now you've like made these amazing products um so yes so thank you and um, for those of you listening, oh wait, oh my god, before I let you go, I have to ask about your shoes, oh, your favorite footwear. What did yeah. you wear today and why? Um, so I have my blue Reeboks walking shoes because I am a urban hiker, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> so basically, I like walking in the city and I like walking in the park. Um, just and those are my walking shoes. Like, I can walk for hours in them. I love it with a great podcast. Nice. It's my jam. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and what would you, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's walking a similar path to yours? Um, I would say don't wait for the perfect time. Ooh, good. Like, wait for a good time. I understand that. But it's never going to be perfect. And just get on your path and take it one step at a time and don't question your path like you were meant to walk it I love it it. amazing thank you for that 
Um, so guys listening, you can follow uh, Yasmin at New Coco. Uh, well, that's the, the, the beauty brand's Instagram. So it's at N-I-U-C-O-C-O. Um, you can, of course, follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you like my podcast, if you could please give it a five-star review, that would be excellent. Um, otherwise, that's it for this episode. I'll see you guys next week. Um, and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. Thank you.